HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Our master cheesemaker program is one of the only two in the world. So it's no wonder every master in America has called Wisconsin home. Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with your hosts, me, Zara Tangora, and my lovely mother, Bobby Conforto, who is not with us today for the intro, but we have a great episode today um, with the lovely and wonderful and sweet Diana Dietrich of Dee's Pet Services. Um, Diana joins us today to talk about something that I think a lot of us experience and is also somewhat of a disenfranchised grief, um, which is pet grief. And it's very real. We're those of us who are pet owners um, love our pets and are close to them. And to many of us, they become like family. And um, I think it's something that we, you know, sometimes don't take seriously enough that pain and what that loss is. And Diana is such an animal person and such a wonderful and heartfelt and gentle, kind, sweet person. And so it was really wonderful to talk to her and hear her perspective of how she came to love animals and um, what her sweet, precious animals, Mama and Bubba, meant to her and how she has kind of changed her life to be more involved with animals in a professional way. So we were so grateful to have Diana join us and it was just a really interesting and special episode. So thank you so much to Diana. And we mentioned this at the end of the show, but if anybody is in the Brooklyn area, um, Diana's uh, pet services, uh, dog walking, pet sitting, um, is called Dee Dee's Pet Services. And you can reach her at Diana Dietrich, D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H at gmail.com. Um, okay. Thank you so much guys and enjoy. And, um, if you like the show, please, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. That is how the show grows. Um, if you know, if you folks have a spare moment to do that, it, great because then um we can reach more people and keep building our little community our processing community so uh hopefully y'all are doing good and hanging in there and sending you love and take care of uh, yourselves and each other and enjoy our talk with diana okay bye So we have a wonderful, wonderful episode today. We are joined by the amazing Diana Dietrich. And Diana, uh, you are, amongst many other things, a an animal lover. and That I am, yes, absolutely. In such a deep way. And, you know, we've known each other for a while because you live in my dear friend Bretton's building. We have a bunch of other mutual friends. Um but recently, I mean, over the summer, it feels like recently, but I guess it was months ago, we connected at a party of a mutual friend. And just, I was noticing uh, your incredible tattoos that you have and asking about mm -hmm. them. And you had mentioned that they were for your two beloved cats that had passed away. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of connected over that. And it was re a real kind of realization. You know, on this show, we talk so much about like loss of loved ones and parents and children and 
um, partners and pets is a big deal. It really is a big deal. Well, yeah, I also, I think also like, um, I mean, and I think I'd mentioned to you that like, I've never like really been like close to humans. Um, and that's just because of my, you know, my background, um, and my family life, which was kind of like, uh, extremely fractured. So, um, I think my cats, mama and Baba, um, they they connected with me and I connected with them in such a powerful emotional way that their loss, my loss of them, um, was extremely painful. You know, it was a long grieving process, and it's like actually Mama's uh, first year of um, passing is coming up on Tuesday, so it's a uh, it's a uh, you know. Hmm. it's pretty traumatic for me. Yeah, the timing of talking about this is, is important then. You know, I think what we're saying is that our pets are our beloved. Oh, yeah. They are beloved. And there's been poetry through the years. One of my favorite poets is Rumi, and he wrote in the 12th century, and he talks about the beloved. And it doesn't, it, it's open-ended what that means. Yeah. You know, so for you, um, you two beautiful cats were your beloveds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I got their their um, names tattooed on my arms, um, and you know, their their dates of death. I mean, they they were mine. So tell us about them. Tell us about yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Mama, <laughs> Mama had been thrown out on the street, um, and she had given birth to a, a litter of you know kittens and. Um, one of which survived, and there was a one. It was a cold, um, rainy spring day, and they were like huddled together. And I'm like, "You two, you need a home. You need some warmth. You need some love." So um, I was able to get Mama because she, you know, she had been around people, and she was very friendly. And the neighborhood like would feed her, um, so she was able to get. Um, Bubba, on the other hand, was born mm. feral, so he'd never been touched by a human being. So there was another person in the neighborhood who said that they would help catch Bubba. So I finally got him a few days later and took them to the vet to get checked out. And um, she was pregnant again. So they, um, she got a little kitty abortion. And, um, you know, Bubba, it took him about... I'd say about two and a half years before he even like got even wow. close to me because he had, he had no idea. And it was like, it's wonderful. It was a wonderful experience to, to just um, have, have that in my life and witness his, you know, his level of trust. And it Absolutely. was like, well, you can be safe for another. It's just a wonderful feeling. Oh, it's yeah. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that you grew up in Maryland and then your family moved to England, right? You kind of, you were born in Maryland, you grew up in England. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, my mother and father met in England and then they came over here and it didn't work out. So my mother and I went back to London and yeah, lived with my grandfather. Right. And so what was, what was, bring, tell us a little bit about, if you don't mind, like what was some of your early kind of life like like where I'm curious to know a little bit about like of course about you as much as you feel like you want to share but also right. kind of get an idea for your where your relationship with animals really started and the importance and the significance of like why you feel like you connected so much more with animals than people um well like the you know the relationship with my mother I never knew my father I mean, I was too young when my mother said, okay, that's it. I've had enough of this. So I didn't know him. And my mother was a little, I don't know, wasn't the most stable person around. Um, so when we came back, when we went back to England and lived in London, we lived um, in my grandfather's pub with his second wife, who was my nan. Um, and he had, at that time, he had um, Rinty, which was a 
wonderful Alsatian, and he had a dachshund. And I just thought it was amazing that he would have like this huge dog and then this little dog. And I just, you know, I I, I just bonded with them, especially Fritzy, because I like to be able to like pick pick pets up. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm more of a cat lover, because I just love that, you know, being able to pick little things up and pet them. Um, so I, that was my first bonding with animals. And my grandfather and I, every Saturday, we would walk down Church Street, down the market, um, and I would hold little Fritzy, and my grandfather <laughs> would have Rinty, and, you know, we'd walk down the market, and he'd buy me some, like, you know, apple fritters, and they were hot and wonderful, and just, yeah, absolutely amazing. I don't think I've ever had one as as good or, you know, that 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 are up to that standard that I had when I was like growing up. So that was like, you know, one of my one of my first food memories and then, you know, the relationship I had with the dogs, which was amazing. Yeah. And your grandfather had a pub. Did you say a pub? Yeah, he had a pub. Yeah. Did they serve food there? No, they didn't Not serve so much. food there. It was just like, you know, a right. dive bar where everybody would come in right. and get drunk and they did have like huge McVitty biscuits, though, that mm. he would he would feed the dogs, but I would go in there and eat them sometimes, too. And, you know, he'd give them out to, to friends and everything. But no, no, no food. So mm-hmm. interesting dr- growing up in that environment, you know, in, in the kind of pub environment as a kid. I mean, things like that force you to grow up early, I guess, seeing that side of kind of that part of humanity that can right. occasionally I'm sure more often than not become unsavory to an extent um I mean how as a as a kid kind of growing up in that environment like where did you seek solace how did you kind of tune out and like keep your keep some warmth around you well I think I I mean I don't have a lot of recollections of my mother in the pub and that's probably because she was either you know either working or she was out you know with her other male friends um so my nan was uh, a huge monument of like comfort in my life and she was always very helpful and loving and warm and reassuring and my grandfather too they were like they were like you know the stability in my life that um there was, you know, it was just remarkable that, that they were able to have that kind of like love and patience and, and, um, you know, just that warmth that, that, that they gave, it was like, you know, an amazing experience. And I just, the relationship between my mother and my grandfather was, you know, it just, it wasn't good either. So that's, that was, you know, he dealt with it his own way. And, um, and then, you know, he gave me lots of support and love. So, you know, that was really nice. Yeah. And then you, so at what point did you come back over to the States? Oh, that's, um, I came back over here when I was, um, 16. Um, and it was the request of my aunt and uncles. My father had two brothers, so they had, um, they had found me through a senator who lived in Michigan and they, um, they asked me if I wanted to come over and visit. And I was like, I had nothing going on. Um, I'd left school because I had to go work and support myself. Um, so I came over the day I came over, I think it was the night before my grandfather had, um, he had a stroke and I was only supposed to come over for two weeks. Um, my grandmother asked me if I could stay a little longer to help in his, you know, recovery, which I said, sure, why not? Um, but that, that two-week period ended up being 12 years before I went back to England. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So so my mother wasn't happy with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. To say the least. That's a long time. I mean, it's not like... The one thing that kind of is striking to me, and even before we um, just initially when we had chatted about, you know, the grief about your about your pets and something that I think is kind of universal about love that we have for our pets is that there's an unconditional quality to the love, which is as much as we talk about unconditional love with parents and 
children and grandparents or spouses or whatever, partners, it's not Mm -hmm. really quite unconditional. I mean, it is and it isn't because there's like, there's, because they have comments. Exactly. And there's emotional <laughs> hangups and there's, there's uh, other people's feelings and their own personality clashes and stuff. But there is an unconditional love between human beings and pets because they do not have those same set yeah. of needs. Their needs are so much simpler. And it's just striking to me just knowing a little bit about like seeming like there's a tumult in your kind of earlier life. Mm-hmm. That it would make a lot of sense to connect so much with pets because it's it's really we do need that you know what I mean and I think it's important. Oh. How does that feel to you? I mean, is that accurate? Well, yeah. I mean, to have just to have a connection with um, another, you know, another heartbeat, so to speak, you know, another breathing, living creature. Um, it's yeah. I mean, that's what life is about, isn't it? You know, to 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 feel to feel that and share that. And, um, um, it's interesting because I haven't had pets. Pets have come in and out of my life a lot. Um, and I've, you know, I've had pets before and had to give them up and, um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a traumatic thing for me. It's just like, I had to do this to save myself and save the pet at the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's where my connection is. It, it, it is with animals more so than, than it is with humans. But, I mean, as I've gotten older, I do have, like, <laughs> I do have some really wonderful connections <laughs> with human beings. And, yeah. um, you know, I would be very sad if, um, you know, if I were to lose them. So, I, you know, I'm not that cold-hearted. But the re- <laughs> no, of course, the, the relationship with a pet is so interesting. I have a poodle sitting next to me right now. Mm. And when we said uncomplicated, no, she's complicated. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, she has opinions. She talks to me. She tells me what she likes and what she doesn't like. Exactly. Um, we actually have in our house, we have something called Poochie Bells. And I had heard about them and I hung them on the door. And um, it was a way for them originally to train her to go to the door to go out. But now she rings the bells when she wants to go out, when she wants to come in, when she wants to eat, when she liked what she ate, when she didn't like what she ate, when she wants to play, when she wants to go to bed. And I have to interpret what the bells mean. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty good at it because I know her so well. Right. You know, there's just there's so much projection with the pet. You know, we project ourselves into them and onto them. Yes, absolutely. Mom, you lost a pet. I mean, we had a dog growing up who was a very close member of our family, but definitely maybe even closer to you and to you and Rob because, you know, I went away to, I left the house at some point during Mr. Rubidoux's life. But what was the passing of Mr. Rubidoux, a.k.a. Ruby, like for you? And what was your guy's relationship like? Well, it's interesting. Um, he was a male. And when I got Bo, uh, my, she's a female, and I learned that my relationship with the female dog is different than the male dog, you know. And I say that because he was much less complicated. So my relationship with him, he was sweet and he was loving and he would he would anticipate me sitting down and he'd be in air, midair, before I even sat down. And then somehow we would land together, <laughs> you know. But when he died, I learned, I happened to have worked in hospice for 12 years. So I, I, I wasn't scared when, um, when I knew that he was dying. I was very sad, but I wasn't scared because I had really been helping people learn about death and dying, you know, through the years. So when he was dying, um, my husband had never been around anybody that had been dying. And um, so I felt like I was kind of feeling faithful. I, I knew that it was a scary moment, but that it was a process and I, and I kind of trusted it. So I was able to help my husband feel more comfortable and safe. And um, my friend Kathy was here at the same time, and we were all together, you know, watching Mr. Rubidoux die in our arms, you know. And it was a very poignant moment. And I thought to myself that he had served us in a way. I feel like an animal, a pet, we're both in service of each other. I mean, we serve them, literally, their food and, and everything they need, but they serve us too. They attend to us. They're, they're always in attendance, you know, watching our moves and where we're going. And I felt like it was such an honor to be there for his dying because he had he had served us. And I felt so um, grateful. I, felt, I remember feeling so full of gratefulness that, um, that he lived with us for 14 years and 
um, in such an unconditional way and in such a loving way. But I'm glad you asked, Sarah, because if I may go on a little bit further, um, you know, we live, we don't live in the city. I know you live in Brooklyn, Diana. We live, um, right? We live on Long Island. And so we have some property. And so we really, it was our intention to, to bury him on the property. And that was, and we, we had a ritual around it. Um, I remember we made the box. We kind of put together a box that we made for him. And then we put all kinds of things in the box and we drew on the box and drew prayers on the box. And then we um, painted rock, you know, stone. We had a headstone that we made. And so the ritual of the burial was very helpful. I mean, it was a really helpful thing. It made it um, organic and not scary. And it was filled with love. That's beautiful. So to answer your question, Zara, I remember his dying and his death more than I remember having him. Mm. Uh, Bobby, just one question, if I may. Um, Did you have him cremated or? No. You just buried him in the backyard, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you have your your cats uh, cremated, Diana? Um, I did not. Um, uh, I didn't. I... uh, once they had passed, I was like to the vet, you can do whatever you want. Because to me, for me, their memory lives on within me. And um, I, I, I do have, um, I cut some of their fur when they passed and I took some of their whiskers and I have like a little memorial to them in my bedroom. And um what I decided to do was like take some of their fur and whiskers and take them to um, the U.S. Open because I love tennis so much. Mm-hmm. So I took some both of their fur and whiskers and I buried them in this beautiful, like in front of one of the stadiums is this like beautiful piece of land with trees and flowers and everything. So I just like dug some holes and put their fur and whiskers in there so it's like every time I go there which is I go there like at least once a year um I have that ritual and I sit in front of them and just you know hang out (laughs) with them and that's great and I also um because I love um Long Beach love going out there so I took some of their fur and whiskers and buried them in the sand so it's like they're there I went on there and it's like it's really lovely it's to, to have that. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite poems is um, by Rumi. He, he lived in the 12th century. I talked about him before. And he says, now that you live here in my chest, everywhere I sit is a mountaintop. And I just love that. It's that feeling of what you say, that the love is inside of us. And so when you feel them in you, everywhere is that vista of a mountaintop. You feel the you know, just the wholeness and the beauty of life when you feel the love of of someone that you have loved in life. Yeah, so yeah. It's beautiful. You know, <clears throat> Diana, we had talked a little bit about the food and grief connection. And one thing that I had really thought about was that um, I know that before your current business that you have now, which I would love to talk about a bit at the end of the show, because it's so awesome, but you had been in the service industry, um, exactly, as have yeah. I, as had has Bobby in her past before she became a psychotherapist. Um and it is emo- like, I don't know how I'm imagining we share this feeling, but I'd love to hear what you think. It is emotionally demanding and to say the least physically demanding for sure. But there's also the public can ask a lot of you and it kind of takes a lot out of you. And I was imagining that, you know, I've been single through a lot of the times when I've worked in, in the service industry and I still work in a, in a way in service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know when I come home and I come home to myself, it's hard. And I know at times when I've had a partner, it's been easier. There's been times when I've had a pet that it has felt like, oh, okay. Like, and I'm wondering about your relationship through like that type of work and, um, and having your relationship with your cats at the time. And like, how did that, how did those two things interplay? Was it helpful? Was it a thing that you noticed? Like, what was that like? (laughs) Well, I was I worked in the service industry for many years of my life and on all sides, whether it's in the kitchen, in front of the house. Um, but like when I had mom and Bob, I was working um, 
at a place called Speedy Romeo, which was amazing. It was like a hopping joint when it first opened. Um, it was a lot of like, just it was like busy and bustling and like a lot of fun and that whole thing. Um, but yes, like serving people can be extremely taxing. Um, you know, and trying to like give everybody what they want, which I love to do. I do love the service industry. It's like, it's, it's an amazing experience. Um, and, and I love that, like that short lived connection that you can have with clients, but then, you know, you have clients that come back and it's like, you build a relationship, which is wonderful. But yeah, sometimes it would be like, I'd come home at night and I'd be like, Oh my God, my cats need fed. I can go feed them. I can like, you know, go take a shower, whatever I need to do. And I can like, just go relax. And they would like come up and sit with me and just like, we'd talk. And I'd talk to them about, you know, my crazy day. And, um, they were just, just my lovely little, uh, my lovely little sounding boards. And, you know, they just like go do their little cat things and like not understand a word I'm saying, but I felt good talking to them. (laughs) You know, it's funny when our, uh, we've talked about this a bit before with other folks and it was something that I kind of had originally been talking with, with a friend a couple of weeks ago about, you know, different types of love, why we fall in love with different people, uh, why different relationships are so meaningful for us. And of course there is a huge part of who that person is, but it's also about who you are, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who you see yourself as and, uh, seeing yourself as like something that your pets are looking forward to seeing yourself as someone who your pets are looking forward to seeing who's a caretaker who's Mm -hmm. like you know what I mean so the relationship is not just about what these things meant to you but who were you to yourself during these times you know what I mean like and who were you allowed to kind of be through just your interactions with another being or these two beings you know and it's so fascinating I mean we'll never know but like who you would have been in those times in your life without your cats is a different it would have just been a different person I imagine do you I mean do you think about that at all I mean I don't I mean I don't not so much but I do know that um I mean I know with like within me that I'm you know a really loving and caring human being and I'm glad and honored to have had those two mama and baba in my life because because I have so much warmth um, and energy and maybe not so much patience with them but you know that was a learning process but um, <laughs> um, I'm grateful that I was I, I was able to share that with them um, and if I hadn't had them I you know I don't I have no idea. I don't know what would have happened. So um, it was, um, you know, being able to, you know, share that love is like was is so important. And it's, you know, it's so fulfilling. I have a perfect poem for this. Please. <laughs> Mary Oliver is one of my favorite poets. And she wrote a book called Dog Songs. Um, so, you know, we can think any animal. It doesn't have to be a dog. It's a short poem. It says... He puts his cheek against mine and makes small expressive sounds. And when I'm awake or awake enough, he turns upside down his four paws in the air and his eyes dark and fervent. Tell me you love me, he says. Tell me again. Could there be a sweeter arrangement? Over and over he gets to ask. And over and over I get to tell. (laughs) So beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing we had a, a wonderful guest and a friend of ours on a few weeks ago uh, who was talking about grandparent grief. And I think there's a similarity here because there's a disenfranchisement of grief that I think often we feel towards when someone says they've lost a grandparent. It's like, oh, well, they were old. You know what I mean? And yes, it is fortunate to be able to live to an old age, but that does not it does not make negate the feelings of pain you can lose around uh, feel around losing someone who's important to you and I definitely think that we see that kind of disenfranchisement of grief when it comes to pet loss and that is a huge reason why I really wanted to have you on the show today because I think it's very important to realize that like we don't need to judge someone else's pain or kind of like 
you know, gauge whether it was significant enough or if it was as traumatic or not as traumatic because pain is pain. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take our pain away of what happened if someone else feels pain too. You know what I mean? But for some, but for good reason in some way, it feels like there is only a certain amount of compassion in the world. And so I think when you're grieving or something, especially if something terribly traumatic has happened, um, it feels like, okay, there's only so much empathy I need to get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it it's important to remember that like, we all have these very different lives, you know, and someone may not feel the loss of their pet as in, mm-hmm. as deeply. And some people might feel it just as deep, deeply or more than the loss mm-hmm. of a human being. And that has to be, there needs to be space for that to be okay. And right. I just thought it was an important kind of topic to talk about because it speaks to a lot of whatever that relationship was to you is significant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. Did you, did you find that people understood your loss after the cat's passed? Yeah, I, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the hardest things, um, at that time, um, there, there, there's like around about a year and a, a year, year and a half between both of their passings. Um, and Baba got sick first. He had renal failure. So, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who, when they find out, they'll just like, you know, let their pet go at that point. But I was like, I don't, I'm not ready to let go. So, I mean, I, for a year, I had to give him meds and fluids, you know, every day. Um, Cause I, you know, I wanted to hit him around for as long as I could. And then, and then, you know, I had to let him go eventually. And then, you know, mama got sick and I had to do the whole thing again. So, you know, that, that was tough, but. It's traumatic to be a short period of time in two mm-hmm. of Yeah. But, you know, it's just amazing that, I mean, whatever, I don't, I'm not judging, but it was like, that was like the hardest thing, knowing that at some point soon that they would pass. Mm-hmm. So. So hard to let go. So hard. That was a tough one. It's so tough. It's so incredibly tough. And also like, you know, the thing with pets often is that we are asked to be a lot of times like with human beings, they, they pass or they don't. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, but we are oftentimes called to make the decision on when our pets pass and when they don't. And that's a really tough thing for some. Right. Well, and you do this. I mean, people do that with humans too. It's just, you know, I mean, it's, you know, losses, you know, depending on how, you know, you view it, losses, it's loss. It's like, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that, you know, I even notice people talking about this in ways that aren't, isn't necessarily associated to loss, but sometimes loss and sometimes just depression. And yes, having perspective is very important. And I notice like there's certain friends I talk to who'll be like, going through something really tough and they're like, but you know, other people have it worse or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's great to have the perspective, of course, like it helps us all to have a understanding of the depth of what happens in the world. But I don't think we need to do this comparison things to ourselves. And I think this is a perfect example of like really reminding ourselves, whether it be with a grieving situation or the loss of someone or something dear to you, mm-hmm. um, or just your own feelings of, you know, feeling the weight of your own life. Like our lives are personal and we will, it doesn't matter necessarily. And, and again, yes, it's great to have perspective, but it doesn't matter what your specific situation is. If you have heartache, if you have pain, that's like legitimate. And I think pushing it away and pretending it's not significant is not really helpful. And, and judging other people's pain and saying, well, but they live in this apartment or, but they still have both their parents. It's like, okay, but that's not everything. (laughs) Exactly. No, I agree with you totally. Yeah. And I think it's like, this is just such a good conversation to expand acceptance around that concept. Cause I think it's very important for 
a sense of empathy, which I think we lack sometimes. We're quick to judge what other people's experiences should or shouldn't well, be. Yeah, and it's also like, you know, we, we don't know everybody's history. We don't know where they came from. You know, we don't know what what they went through to become who they are today. I mean, not unless they, you know, they're close friends and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, empathy is like, ugh, if there was just more empathy in the world, I mean, it would be a better place, obviously. But, yeah, to be empathetic is like, yeah, and that's why, I mean, both of uh, Mama and Baba, I was still working at uh, the restaurant and, you know, I would just like break down sometimes and people were very loving, you know. Good, good. So they were your friends. It was like it's really good. nice to have that, you know, that kind of like distant, close support. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Um, So... I'm wondering if you had any rituals with Mama and Bubba that were around food. Did they have any things like, did you guys ever share anything? Did they hop on you when you were having tea in the morning? Did they like to share bits of, you know, eggs or did they have things they liked? Um, I mean, I would always like, I like, I, which is not great for, for cats, but I would always like, if I ever ate ice cream, I'd always like to let them, I'd always like let them, that I'd be like in my bed or on my bed and, you know, I'd have a <laughs> pint of ice cream and they would come over and I'd just like let them lick the spoon and, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah, let's, we're all doing this together right now. We'll all share these flavors. Um, so and then, yeah, with like cheeses, I'd give them cheese every once in a while too. And they just like, you know, they just love it and they're like licking their paws and just like, sweet. it was just so beautiful. They're oh, very, they were very sweet, very sweet, very sweet cats. Bobby, you have, you have that experience with Bo. You feed Bo a lot of, you give her a lot of snacks. And every time we're done having dinner, you always give her a little taste of what we're having. Like, how is that, you know, what does that mean to you to be able to do that with her? Cause I know that's something that's very much a part of your ritual with Bo. Well, you know, part of it is, is how we project feelings onto our animals. Now, I do that a lot, so I assume that she's smelling the food, and she deserves, you know, she was good all day, and that she's part of the family, so she deserves to have some. But it's interesting, we talk about our friend Kathy a lot, who's been on the show twice, and she loves her pets, her dog in this case, but she attributes um, her own feelings to the to the dog. So she's always assuming that JoJo has... Um, you know, all kinds of feelings that he's mad at her, that he mm. is thinking this or that, that he's, if she's eating, that he liked what they had the night before, you know, she attributes so many thoughts to the, you know, I don't know if it's true, but I think we do that. So to answer your question, after I've had a nice meal, I feel like Bo deserves yeah. to see, she was watch me cook it and For I, sure. she's interested. So For yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I think it's just like a good thing to remember. I think I'm thinking about Kathy now, our dear family friend, who lost her spouse many years ago, um, who she had been with for what decades, three decades or something. Um, mm -hmm. and she has a dog that is supremely important to her and is very much in, in many ways, like a partner, you know, obviously not a romantic partner, but a life partner, mm -hmm. companion, life partner, a yes. true companion. And I think that we sometimes maybe don't, sometimes we do and sometimes we maybe don't realize how significant animal companionship is you know it is very deep and again I want to go back to that concept because I think it's very important to remember of the love that you can get from an animal which is a love that like we all kind of really need that like without asking too much with just like truly Get loving your love what a special thing to get pure love it's like so magical you know it really is. It's it's very, very special and very magical. And Diana, so in the past year or so, and I I don't know, pardon me if it's been longer, but I'm wondering, was it in tandem, your new business venture with the loss of Mama and Baba? Good question. Um, so Mama and Baba passed, and um, this is just before COVID, around COVID. Um and once COVID hit, my last day on the job was uh, March 15th. And um, I was like, okay, I'll, you know, we'll ride this out. We're going to see what happens. Um, and then I decided 
I don't want to go back into the restaurant industry. I just like, I was, you know, I, I, I was done with it. I'm like, I was thinking like, maybe I'd like go do something in the back of the house. But then I, you know, I spent some time thinking about it. I was like, "Mm, no. And because I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of skills, so to speak. Um, I was like, well, I love animals. I've had all this love that I gave to mom and Baba, but they're not around anymore. So what can I do? And so I started a little business. Um, pet walking, dog walking, cat sitting, cat walking if a cat wants to walk. Um, so, I mean, I think COVID and the passing of mom and Baba, because of that, that has allowed me to create this wonderful business that I have going that, um, that, that gives me so much pleasure. And it's, it's great that, that, you know, my clients actually are the animals, but I have humans that pay me. (laughs) (laughs) What an incredible thing to do. And kind of, we're always really impressed and really interested too, by like, um, when a significant loss happens, how sometimes folks go right back into the uh, to the burning building, so to speak. You know what I mean? And it's just a remarkable thing that, like, even though that could have been something that maybe was triggering or hard, like, that you went back into that and to care for other people's animals and to give away that, like, very special love and have those relationships all the time. And to be able to make a business out of it is so awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing that. Yeah, 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 it's, um, it's, I have to say, it's a, it's a very, it's a very special thing. I mean, I, you know, it's like, I think anything new, you, you know, there's always kind of like a anxiety, or maybe a fear of like, well, is this going to work or not? And I was like, I, I was like, all I can do is give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I could go back to the restaurant industry, even though yeah. I really don't want to do that. Um but yes, um, my first client was a mutual friend of ours, Nora, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, she's like, hey, I need some help with Jackpot, who I fell in love with. She was my first client. And from there, um, I got a website made. I got, um, I got cards made. I started an IG account. But what's really interesting is most of them, like I would say 99% of the clients that I have now has all been word of mouth, which is like, that to me is like so phenomenal. It's like, oh my God, you know, website, IG account, you know, whatever. But it's like, that's what, that's what's very special to me. It's just like, which, which says, I think a lot about, um, you know, the trust that people have in me. Um, it's it's truly remarkable. And actually, I got a text this morning and this woman needed help with two of her cats because her fiance's mother just grandmother just passed away. So she's like, can you look after my cat? So I went to her apartment today. She introduced me to the cats and she's like, here's the keys. And that's it. I yeah. mean, I was I wasn't with this woman for more than five minutes. And it's like, I've got the keys to your home and you have no idea who I am. I mean, that to me is like a blessing in itself. It's like the, mm-hmm. the trust yes. that people have is like, it's like, it's, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. It's really incredible. And yeah, there's something, I mean, there's just truly something about you to know you is really a real gift because you, you do just have that type of personality. You exude a warmth and it is, you're a very easy person to, to trust and, I'm so happy that like you've the kind of lineage that you've described of like, you know, kind of your childhood to your, you know, adulthood to now finding, especially in this wild time, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, one of the silver linings of what's happened over the past few years is people getting to kind of reinvent themselves and be like, you know what, I don't like this job I have anymore, or I like it, but it's, I don't want to do it anymore. I appreciate things about it, but I'm done with it and find a new thing. And I just think it's incredible that like, I love thinking of you interacting with all these animals every day. It like actually is physically warming my heart. Like I feel like a warmth (laughs) coming over me thinking about you getting to, to have all these experiences with these animals all day. Mm -hmm. It makes so much sense. It's like what you should be doing. It's so beautiful. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right about that, and I appreciate you saying mm-hmm. that because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely like yeah, it gives me warmth. I mean, I'm doing something that that would, and even in the restaurant industry, it wasn't like I hated the job or anything, but it's like, it, and in a way, it's like I'm still giving service. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. I'm still being, I'm still in the hospitality industry, so totally. to speak, but it's mm-hmm. a totally different mm-hmm. hospitality. Right. So, and I noticed that you call yourself a pet carer. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is that the word that you use? I, a pet carer. Yeah. That's nice. I, did, I care. Yeah, I, I do. I care for them. And it's like, oh, as I said, like sweet. cats have been like, I mean, cats are, I love cats. But I've also like within the past, I started this business um, in March, April. Um, I, I'm learning a lot about dogs. I mean, it's, you know. And they're wonderful, too. Totally different creatures. And they're, like, a little more dependent on humans. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm having a a fun time. Yeah. So, Diana, we ask everybody the same question as we move towards the end of the show, which is that if, you know, you could have told yourself a, a bit of advice at the beginning of your grieving experience, knowing kind of what you know now, having gone through... Uh, the you know all the different experiences and is there any advice that you would give to yourself at that time when you when you first were experiencing grief um, with the information you have now? Um, I, I, I I'm the type of person that like tries to open up my arms and and be accepting of everything. Um, I, I say open up your arms with the grief, dive into it, feel it. Um, swim with it, be with it, and just like and see what happens. See, see what's going on with you and how you come out of the other end. Just embrace it. Beautiful. Embrace it. Trust the process. So we'd obviously also love to spread the word about your business. So can you tell everybody where we can find you on all the ways that we can find you, like your name of your business, your IG, your website, etc. Yes. Um, it's the business is DD's Pet Services, um, and it's DD's Pet Services.com, DD's Pet Services on Instagram, and also I can be found on Google Maps. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Well, I cannot wait to get a pet so that you can now take care of my pet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Really, really great. And then one other thing we all we like to know. Um, from our guests before we leave the show is that, you know, we can't all be together right now for an actual meal. Um, but if we could, mm. what would we all bring? And I'm going to add an asterisk to this because this is an episode about pets. What would we bring knowing that we're going to feed a little bit to a pet from the table of what we're having? Bobby, do you have something? Yes, I do. I would definitely bring salmon. Oh, And Bo loves salmon. So it's not just cats that like fish, but Bo particularly likes salmon. That's one of her very favorites. And I would make it with um, kind of a poached lemony sauce mm. and um, a little, maybe a little little hot saucy flavor, a little mayonnaise on there just to grill it that way. And yeah, so that's what I'd make salmon. Delicious. Nice. Diana, do you have something? Um, well, I, this has been on my mind a lot lately and I'm kind of obsessed. I would bring, I would bring tacos. Ooh, yum. I had some tacos yesterday from a food stand in my neighborhood and they were amazing. They were shrimp tacos, had some guacamole on it. The hot sauce was just absolutely incredible. So, you know, if if I'm going to bring, I would bring some meat tacos if there was a dog there and I would bring some fish tacos if there was a cat there and then we can all have fun. (laughs) I love this. This sounds so good. I'm going to bring, because you you guys have brought the main course, of course, I'm going to bring some flan because I was just looking at flan recipes. I woke up this morning and I said, flan. I don't know why. I must have dreamt about it. And I started obsessively looking at different flans and thinking about flan when I would make it next. And just the thought of giving a little kitty a little bite of sweet, creamy flan. <laughs> it's cute. And I think a cat or a dog would like flan. And it would go well with yeah, my meal. Yeah. So I'm bringing right. the delicious caramelly flan. Sounds delicious. Yeah, it'd be a good meal. So guys, super, if you live in the Brooklyn and the, you know, Fort Greene area, um, 
or do you go outside of your immediate area, Dana, or are you kind of... Oh, my God, I go all over. Okay, cool. So I, within, within a half an hour biking, because I, okay. I get around on my bike. So, I mean, the furthest I think I've gone out is way out. I've been out to Bushwick, and okay. I've been out to Greenpoint. Wow, awesome. On those signs. That's so, great. yeah. So, yeah. please, get in contact with Dana. Your pets will thank you. And, you know, I just am so grateful, Diana, that you came on today and talked to us about this, because this is just a very interesting topic when it comes to talking about grief. And it's very special. And it's a big ask. And I know that like going there to thinking about this stuff is really hard. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and the emotional heavy lift to join us to talk about Mama and Bubba. They sound amazing. Yeah, they were. And I appreciate you asking me on. And, you know, I'm glad that, that I've been a part of this process. I I, yeah, it was really great. Thank you. Of course. Absolutely. Guys, take care of yourselves and each other. And Diana, this was incredible. And give all of your sweet pets a hug. If you're listening, you have a pet, give, give them a big hug and a kiss from us. All right. Cool. All right, we'll talk to you later, Diana. All right. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. In Wisconsin, Cheese is our thing. Wisconsin is the only state in the country that requires a license to make cheese. From curds to cheddar, blue to brick, Wisconsin cheesemakers can do it all. We blend tradition with innovation to create an incredible variety of cheeses that you just can't get anywhere else. You've heard of a PhD, but have you heard of a PH cheese? Otherwise known as the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program, This rigorous study of cheese is an elite accomplishment earned by only 80 talented cheesemakers in Wisconsin, and the program is only one of two in the world. Becoming a master cheesemaker takes 13 years and is basically like a doctorate in a specific variety of cheese, with intense requirements to succeed. Our master cheesemaker program allows makers to perfect both the art and science of their craft in a tradition so rich you can taste it. Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that Processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio, supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.